Hey, just a heads up for this episode. I did the best that I could to edit this episode. Unfortunately, I, well, not super unfortunately, but I do live in a college apartment. So the whatever can be heard is what can be heard. So nothing too damaging or anything like that. But I just apologize in advance for any noise that you may hear in the background of this episode. Did the best that I could to edit this stuff out. But just like any other episode, there's only so much that I can do in this environment. But God bless. Keep praying for a college. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on here that has been very, very good. So thank you guys for listening and enjoy this episode. A concept that is mentioned from the very beginning to the end throughout the entire Bible is something that I think it is human nature to miss. There is a reward for following after God and it's not just going to heaven, but there's a reward that we can obtain here on earth. You see, this Christian life comes down to loving and trusting the Lord. And when you trust the Lord, it talks about how Jesus abides in the love of the Father. And when we abide in his love, then his he abides in us, God abides in us when we abide in his love. But what does it mean to abide in love? The definition of abide in the modern defini definition is just to accept an act, to obey. So that goes back into that love and obedience thing. But when you go to the archaic definition, it means to live or to dwell. Splitting up the old English, abiding means to wait on words, to bide means to remain or stay somewhere. Abiding is a place of rest, and that's all God wanted to have for us. This work that we do is ultimately for us to rest. Yet somehow, some way, it is human nature to mess it up. So put on your spiritual scuba diving gear because as always, we are about to dive deep. My name is Amani Akins, and this is yet another episode of the Deeper Waters Podcast by Pascalis Brooks. Sabbath, the rest day. It's something that is lost in the translation of the Testaments. Of the many things that were interpreted, I think this fourth commandment is forgotten most in the most recent generations of the church, but it's needed as one of the most. Perhaps this is where the falling away of the church is beginning. I mean, even God himself rested after six days of creating the earth. Yet, one of the generations, a great generation that came before us, they lived in a generation of the industrial revolution where they were continuously working and working all sorts of hours. I know I was reading in a book of just a few generations ago that helped further instill this concept into me. And I didn't agree with everything in this book, but there's a great book, and I believe it's by John Otterberg, and it is called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Now, I don't agree with a lot of stuff he said in there, but the overall point of the book is still a good book. And I would definitely recommend that for anybody who feels like they are constantly in a hurry. But there's a point that he made in that book from science and history. And one of those historical points was that people used to sleep 
for 11 hours until the invention of the light bulb. Now, you would think having light inside the house would make something better, but it decreased the amount of sleep. And the more that we invented, the less that we rested. Maybe we can say that this goes a whole along with that whole philosophy that Jesus taught. If your light be darkness, the invention of the light bulb brought us into a darker place of less rest. But this is not the way that God designed us. He designed us to have rest and not just this physical rest. But as we dive into this episode, we'll get deeper into that. But we see that God rested himself. And this is an institution before the Sabbath day was even fully declared to the people of God after Exodus. But as I've been talking, I was talking about how this was quote unquote lost in translation. No, this was not actually lost in translation, but it's something that much of the church has forgotten. I'm not talking about keeping the actual Sabbath day, but the concept. So remember the people who were working in this time, they stopped sleeping so much and they started working more because they were able to stay up past the light. When the sun went down, people could still stay up after this light bulb was invented. And it's interesting to see how hard these people work, the people who endured the wars and stuff like that. These people are some of the hardest working people probably ever or for that I know of. The people who grew up in these generations that they had to work. And during these generations of the war, they were hard workers. They didn't take much rest. But then again, we see certain things slowly start to slip away as people have instilled this concept. For example, we saw the beginning of people starting to accept divorce when that is a specific sin that God said not to tolerate within the church, not to say that you can't be forgiven of that, but it was the slow slip away of the church, but they're not resting. They're continuing to work and they're not taking time to stop and to think. So I want to highlight this because it is important and it is a part of what God promised for us. So to start all this off, we're going to go back to the Old Testament just to lay the foundation of the law that Jesus interpreted. He interpreted much of this law. So going to Exodus chapter 20, starting with verse one, and it said, and God spake all these words saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the water underneath the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them for I the Lord thy God am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the earth the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. And showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Just a quick highlight there. John 14, 15, 15, 14, all of first John. Y'all know the drill. So continuing on verse seven, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Many of us do that today. It's normal culture, but we have to work that out of us. So 
if you do that, and it's easier to do in normal texting, we need to stop doing that. <laughs> so continuing on, verse 8, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Verse 9, six days shalt thou work. Thou shalt thy labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath day, Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work. Thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy mate, manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them is and rested the seventh day where wherefore the lord blessed the sabbath day and hallowed it honor thy father and thy mother that thy days may be long upon the earth the upon the land which the lord thy god giveth thee thou shalt not kill thou shalt not commit adultery thou shalt not steal thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor any thing that, that is thy neighbor's. And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. And they said unto Moses, Speak thou with us, and we will hear. But let not God speak with us, lest we die. And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God is come to prove you that this, and that his fear may be before your faces, that ye sin not. And the people stood afar off, and Moses drew near unto God, the thick darkness where God was. And the Lord said unto Moses, Thus thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, Ye have seen that I have talked with you from heaven. Ye shall not make with me gods of silver, neither shalt thou make unto you gods of gold. An altar of earth thou shalt make unto me, and shalt sacrifice thereon thy burnt offerings, and thy peace offerings, thy sheep, and thy oxen, in all places where I record my name, I will come unto thee, and I will bless thee. And if thou wilt make me an altar of stone, thou shalt not build it, build it of hewn stone. For if thou lift up thy tool upon it, thou hast polluted it. Neither shalt thou go up by steps up to my altar, that thy nakedness being not discovered. I think there's quite a few interesting concepts that we see here, not elevating yourself to go into an altar for, you know, talking about pride and pride cometh before the fall. When you elevate yourself, I think that's a concept that I could pull out of this just by reading this, but there's so many, many concepts that you can principles that you can pull out of this to apply to your life as a Christian being a living sacrifice and such. But the thing I want to highlight is, when you read chapters such as Matthew chapter five, his sermon on the Mount of Jesus, where he talks so much about the kingdom of heaven and how to the laws of the kingdom of heaven and how people are blessed and the things to do. He expounds on so many things. He expounds and interprets the fact that thou shalt not kill and 
goes further into the condition of the heart. How do you even get to the point of killing somebody? It's the condition of your heart. Do you hate somebody? Do you call somebody bad names? That is killing from the heart. Committing adultery, he expounded on that. Lust within your eyes. You have to get that under control, and that is done through the spirit, not by your own power. So getting these heart issues fixed, he didn't just translate this law, but he further interpreted it. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. All these things he interpreted further and dealt with the heart issue of each of these things and not just the object of the thing itself. But one thing that it seems like is overlooked is this concept of the Sabbath day. But yet it is still important, but not in the way that the people of this day saw it to be important. So the first part of the Gospels that we're going to look at is Mark chapter 2. So it says the following in verse 1. And again, he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was one born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they covered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there was sitting sitting there, there were certain of the scribes sitting there, and reasoning in their hearts, Why doth this man why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when God perceived this in his spirit, that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your heart? Whether it is easier to say to the sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, arise, take up thy bed and walk. But that ye may know that the son of man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He saith unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, arise, take up thy bed and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose and took up the bed and went forth before them all, insomuch that they all were amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. And he went forth again by the seaside, and all the multitude resorted unto him, and he taught them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the receipt of the custom, and said unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. And it came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat in his house, many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many, and they followed him. And when the scribes and the Pharisees saw him eat with the publicans and the sinners, they said unto his disciples, How is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he saith unto them, They that are whole have no need of a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. 
And the disciples of John and the Pharisees used to fast. And when they come to say unto him, Why do the disciples of John and the disciples of John and of the Pharisees fast, but thy disciples fast not? And Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber fast, while the bridegroom is with them, as long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and they shall fast in those days. No man also soweth a piece of new cloth on an old garment, else the new piece that filled it up taketh away from the old, and the rent is made worse. And no man putteth new wine into old bottles, else the new wine doth burst the bottles, and the wine is spilled, and the bottles will be marred. But new wine must be put into new bottles. And it came to pass that he went through the corn fields on the Sabbath day, and his disciples began as they went to pluck ears of corn. And the Pharisees said unto him, Behold, why do they on the Sabbath day that which is not lawful? And he said unto them, Have you never read what David did when he had need, and was in hunger, he and they that were with them? How he went into the house of God in the days of, of Abiathar, the high priest, and did eat the showbread, which is not lawful to eat, but for the priests, and gave also them, to them that were with him. And he said unto them, The Sabbath was made for man, and not the man for the Sabbath. For the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. So Jesus is the Lord, the manager of the Sabbath. I think it's interesting the order of things that happen within this chapter. First, dealing with the sick of the palsy. Secondly, dealing with those, him eating with publicans and sinners. Thirdly, talking about fasting. And lastly, talking about the Sabbath. It's talked about putting new bottles for new wine and not using the old ways. And then right after that, it talks about how he was eating on the day of Sabbath and how people had tried to frame him. But this is the new way that Jesus was trying to introduce that brings forth rest to the souls. He explains right here that the Sabbath was not the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. The point of the Sabbath was not for people to serve the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was actually made to serve man. And through this form of ritual ritualism and form of tradition they turned this into a way of framing people instead of actually using this as a time to rest we see even throughout the next chapter he does another healing on the sabbath day uh starting in verse three first chapter three verse one and he entered again into the synagogue and there was a man there which had a withered hand and they watched him whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day, that they might accuse him. And he saith unto the man which had a withered hand, Stand forth. And he saith unto them, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days, or to do evil, to save or to kill? But they held their peace. And when he had looked round about them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he saith unto them, The man, Stretch forth thy hand, and he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. And the Pharisees went forth straightway, 
and took counsel with the Herodians against how they might destroy him. So it's interesting. He healed this man and helped give this man rest. Yet these people tried to kill him. We see here that throughout these scriptures, he came not to help those who think that they are whole, but he came to call those sinners into repentance. So he didn't just come to do physical healing, but he also gave, came to give the souls rest, those who were living in sin, living not the right way, and he gave them rest. I also think it's interesting here as we read in the chapter three, how it talks about his hand was withered and he stretched forth his hand and it was healed. When we stretch forth our hands to God, he heals us. But also, I think it's interesting that it specifically focuses on the hand. The hand is something that we use to work with. And maybe you're doing the wrong works. Maybe you're doing the wrong thing. But when you turn your hands to God to put your hands to work for God, as we will read later, when you labor, you labor to enter into rest. I think it's interesting the way that the Bible puts that. So we see specifically on the Sabbath that Jesus and his disciples were eating for one and two, we see that he healed someone's hand. So I think the two implications here is that in the time of rest, Jesus for one still did good works on this day, but he led people to food and he also healed people's hands to work that were withered. I think another interesting concept as we go into some of the final passages, this is going to be a shorter episode today, but in Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30, a popular verse, it says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So he talked about rest, but he also talks about putting on a yoke. Yoke is necessary for labor. So it's still labor. It's still work. But the work is easy and it leads to rest. I think another thing that's interesting, too, even in the institution of the Sabbath, back in the Old Testament, it talks about how they were delivered out of Egypt. They were working in complete slavery. They did not understand what it meant to rest. So it's interesting that God specifically had to command them to rest. Who has an issue with just taking time to rest in God? Now, this is not an excuse to be lazy. We see, for example, multiple times in Proverbs, it says not to be slothful. And if you love sleep, you'll attract poverty. So it's not saying to not take any, to continually rest and to be lazy and to to be slothful, but just to focus on what God really put us here for, to focus on what God really meant from the beginning, from even instituting Sabbath. Colossians chapter two, verse 16 reminds us, let no man judge you therefore in meat or in drink or in respect of holy day or the new moon or of the Sabbath day. So it's not about a specific day. But there's a lifestyle of Sabbath that God wants to institute. He wants to bring us into a life of rest, but it also requires our work within him and our obedience to him. So I know a lot of people like to use this chapter of Colossians two or three 
just to justify maybe doing certain pagan holidays and such. But in the context of this, this is not what he's talking about. He's dealing with people who are trying to bring them back into the ways of the Jewish law, the Judaizers. Once again, dealing with people who were trying to bring people into the old way, into the old wineskins. But Jesus had a new way for them. So it wasn't necessarily the fact that people were resting but it was the philosophy that people created around the sabbath and around these holy days and around even the dieting that was all wrong it was not the way that god wanted it but this is the way that god wanted it so let's pick up in hebrews chapter 4 in verse 1 and it says the following that is therefore fear lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest any of you seem to come short of it for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them but the word preached did not profit them not being mixed with faith in them that heard it for we which have believed do enter into rest as he said as i have sworn in my wrath if they if they shall enter into my rest although the works were finished from the foundation of the world for he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it, must, it remaineth that some must enter therein, and they whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Again, he limited a certain day, saying in David, today, after so long a time, as you said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. For if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works, as God did from his. Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief for the word of god is quick and powerful alive and powerful a sharp and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing of the soul and the spirit the joints and the marrow a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart neither is there any creature that is not manifest in its sight but all things are naked and open unto his eyes of him with whom we have to do Seeing then we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. We have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. God does not want this work to be hard. He's made it very clear that my yoke is easy and my burden is light. With his help and just following his way, it should be easy. One thing that you'll notice about Jesus when he did all this work, he worked very hard, but he often, oft, he often withdrew into the wilderness. He continually, after he would work all this time, he would leave and go by himself into rest. He said to work to enter into his rest. He said that people didn't enter into rest because they didn't believe. If you believe and you have faith, then 
you will be able to enter into this rest. If you believe what God said and all of what God said and the way that he did things, then you will follow after him and you will be able to enter into his rest. It is not a lazy way of rest, but it is a way of rest that starts with the heart. Your soul gets rest, your heart gets rest, your mind gets rest, and you get rest because you fix the inside of your heart and you continue to work. It doesn't mean you never work, but the point of this is to create rest for you so that you can continue to work in the world system you work to get money and to elevate to get more work to get more money and what do you do with that money the reward is to get more money and what you do with that money is just to spend it get drunk to get high to party all the money away and then to continue to do the same cycle over and over again and that is why so many people when they get this rich they feel so empty because they worked for more work. They worked just to forget about their work and then to continue to work and get rewarded with more work. And then when they stop working, they lose purpose. But God give us a different type of rest that if we labor in him and seek first his kingdom, not our agenda, not our schooling, not any other thing, but to seek first his kingdom, then he will provide all these things. And this thing also included rest for our souls. So, we see as we follow his word and we have faith in his word, we are able to enter because it divides between our soul and spirit. It discerns our heart and our intents and it fixes them. If we yield to it, if we abide in his love, if we dwell in his love, then we will rest in the heart of God. He will lead us and we will be able to approach boldly and enter into this rest and enter into the throne of grace and get what we need in this throne of grace in this beautiful place. The place where we can touch God, we can be in his presence. This place is a great place. And this is the reward for those, even in the earth, not the final reward. But as we enter into this labor and we seek first the kingdom, then we reach this rest and we're able to continually, anytime we pray, praying without ceasing, we can be in rest, this continual state of Sabbath. And even sometimes we may have to withdraw after we do this work. I know personally for me, after I do everything I need to do, I turn my phone completely off and spend time with God and rest. And then I turn my phone off back on when I feel like it. That is part of how I rest to com completely tune out because a lot of times instead of resting, it's to keep this Sabbath holy, to keep this this time of rest holy so it's not just the time to just fill with entertainment with movies and in editing let me insert social media as well to go do a hike or something like that not to say you can't do that but to just go out and to hurry up and try to do something during this time this is supposed to be a holy time of rest so you should be focused on god and meditating on god but also not doing much other than just seeking god and resting your soul this is something that is needed to continue to work but also this is a reward for our work after six days of God working he rested and as we continue to work we don't necessarily need to rest on specifically on the seventh day but he wants us to continually abide in this rest to abide in his love he brings rest to our souls he brings rest to our mind and he brings rest to us by simply following him his yoke is easy and his burden is light this is the plan that God had for us all along from the beginning. And when Jesus had made his way in the kingdom, this is the plan of God, not to be lazy, but to have rest and to dwell in it continually.
Now, like I said, this doesn't necessarily mean that you never work. There is a time to work. And in fact, Jesus often put other people in front of some of the things. He didn't have a schedule so tight that he couldn't. He, for example, when he went to go help Jarius um, and his daughter on the way, he helped the woman with the issue of blood. I'm sure the guy was standing there. This is an example I got of the book. He was standing there waiting for him to hurry up and to get on to the next thing. But Jesus took his time because he wasn't seeking first the opinion of a man or even his own will, but the he was seeking first the needs of others. So he had time to stop his plans and to help somebody in the pursuit of helping somebody else. And I know this happened to me today. This weekend, I wasn't even sure if I was going to get the podcast out. I'm recording this the day before this was released, not even a day before, but hours before this was released. And in the time of me putting others first, I was wondering if I was even going to get the things I needed to get done, done. But instead, this ended up opening an opportunity to witness to somebody, to start a Bible study that I never thought would impact somebody and multiple people profoundly, not only through this Bible study, but we have other people eager to do these random Bible studies. It's a lifestyle. But this doesn't mean that we never rest, but we put God first. You seek first the kingdom. Do what you have to do. There's going to be times where you're going to have to set your plans aside for the kingdom. There's going to be times when you have to put other meetings before meetings that are for God and for his kingdom. You have to put forth the needs of others before your own. But in this, this is how we achieve this rest. That afterwards, we have fulfillment in our souls for doing the work of God. And then when we retreat into that place of rest where we can pray and connect to God, this is the way of God. This is why it's not a specific day. We work when God leads us to work and we rest when God leads us to rest. There's not a specific time that we need to rest because we abide in his love. And when we abide in his love, we rest in his love. We dwell in his love and we continually work and do what he leads. When he leads us to work, we work. And when he leads us to rest, we rest. When you put forth the kingdom and his righteousness, he will provide you everything you need. And that includes rest for your soul and rest for your body, rest for your mind, rest for your heart. This is all that God wants you to do. But first, you must seek first the kingdom, not even seek first rest. Seek first the kingdom of God, not just heaven, but also his kingdom being established in earth and his kingdom that is working within you. That means to work out the things that are within you, applying those commandments of God that have been interpreted in the New Testament, getting rid of the things, the thoughts and intents that aren't right with God in order for us to enter into this rest and then ultimately doing the work of God after we've cleaned ourselves up to spread his will on earth. That is seeking first the kingdom of God, not just the kingdom of heaven, but the kingdom of God. So today is just going to be a shorter episode. I didn't have too, too much time, but I did want to still put something out there that I've been learning. So as I come to a close, we will pray, pray for his Sabbath, not the specific day but the lifestyle, the lifestyle of putting first his kingdom and the rest that we enter in through faith. The institution of the Sabbath was placed after the deliverance from Egypt. And similarly, in our own lives, within our own sin and bondage, we must learn what it is to have liberty in abiding, dwelling in the spirit. We must learn the difference between being in slavery 
to a system, slavery to work and laboring without point, laboring for vain things, laboring for vanity, laboring to make a post on social media, laboring to impress people, laboring to get your status and your merit and your honor up in this world and storing up riches in this world. No, no. He just wants you to learn to work for the kingdom and to rest, to have rest in your soul, to have joy in your soul, to feel complete. This is the point of the spiritual Sabbath. By his grace through faith, we can obtain this throne of grace. We can obtain this time of rest and continually be fulfilled in his work and in the rest. This is both a command. This is a commandment of the old, but this is also something that he offers in the new. This Sabbath didn't go away. This isn't just, we don't just live in a kingdom where we just work, 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 ministry, work, 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 work. No, God has a place of rest and prayer and connection to him. So let us connect in prayer right now. Our Father, return in heaven. I thank you for all that you're doing, for the revelation that you are giving to both me and the viewers. I pray that you would just have your perfect way, that you would lead us and guide us, both in what you want us to do in obedience to you, but also in peace and to teach your ways, to show your paths and to show people the more excellent way, the way of your love, the way of your rest and the way of your peace. I pray that this would reach the person that you wanted it to reach and the people that you want this to reach, that people will not just labor, but they will also learn the rest that you have for each and every one of them. In Jesus' name, I pray. I thank you guys all for listening. I know that I don't always have the best environment to record a podcast in, even with good equipment. It can only do so much. But I thank you guys all for listening, as you guys do. And I pray that you guys will continue to look at the scriptures for yourself and allow it the spirit of god to lead you into all truth but until next time thank you all and god bless